Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. Sure to appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time, energy, effort. I'm glad you're here. I'm uh, humbled by the fact that so many of y'all seem to continue to come back. Uh, I'm grateful for it, and I will do my best to try and use your time wisely uh, and hopefully give you some tools for your toolbox and help our country just a little bit. I just realized how many times I think I said, uh, in the beginning, in the intro to the podcast today, that's... That's not good. I haven't told this story in a while. Some of y'all that have listened for a while, you've heard this story before. But those of y'all that are new to the podcast, one of the requirements at the basic school in the Marine Corps was we had to give a a real short speech, talk, five minutes at the most, I think. Maybe maybe ten at the most, but I think it was five. On a battle, we had to pick a, a major battle from history, and we had to kind of dissect it or war, you could kind of stretch it out if you wanted to. And our particular CO, our commanding officer, he had a requirement, or one of his rules was, he just could not stand um, uh, filling the gap, the silence, out of ignorance. And it's not a good trait in a leader, in an orator. And I think in that five minutes, we had six or seven, five, six, seven uhs or ums. And then we failed. You failed the whole presentation. It was a lot of work you had to put into it to get ready for it, from what I remember. There was a sand table diagram often that went with it, and you had to kind of illustrate the battle as it happened and talk about the two different sides and what went on. Seven uhs or ums, best case, and and you fail. Just kind of check yourself every once in a while and and listen to your own when you talk to others. See how many times you use uh and um. Pay attention to the kids that you know that are going to school. Listen to them talk. See how many times they say uh or um. Just, Just a little thought. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the blessing of living in America. Thank you for the freedom and liberty that you have blessed this nation with and and given us the opportunity or the coming opportunity to, again, defend and protect. Help us to do your will, Father. Show us what path to take. Give us wisdom and guidance, because we can't do it, Lord, without you. We stumble, we fail, we fall short, we get confused, we get distracted. Give us leaders that rule in fear of you, that turn to you for guidance, that trust you. Help us to trust you more in our individual lives and our daily lives, or our life with our nation. And guide my words, Father, please. And be with those 
poor souls over in Israel. In your son's name we pray, amen. I intended to talk about this. I say that often. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about it today. How about that? That's what I ought to say. Just briefly, we did a podcast about a week ago. It was one of the blocked episodes, I think. So if you've subscribed, then you got to listen to it. Um, and if you didn't, that's okay. That's fine. But we went and talked about pretty graphically some of the atrocities that we have seen from Hamas in this war with Israel, this Gaza war, during the initial attack. Well, you're starting to get some pretty solid reports back of the condition of the hostages that are being returned to Israel. And I don't even really have words, folks, for the horrors that some of these young women have been through who have been captives for a couple months of the Muslims. And and you need to do a couple things, and this is really my comment, and then we're going to move on back to this message from FDR that we started on the last podcast. You need to think about a couple things. And you need to see if you can personally draw any connections or not. On 9-11, the United States was attacked by Muslims. We lost about 3,000 people, around the same number that we lost at Pearl Harbor to the Japanese. And we went to war. Israel lost, I think, somewhere around 1,500, but that number I'm just kind of pulling out of thin air right now, folks. But it was, it was the most that they had lost in any single day since the Holocaust. Again, by Muslims. Today, we have tens of thousands, at least, of students and citizens across the nation in America who are protesting not against the Muslims that have been raping, beheading, butchering, torturing men, women, and children, but for them. That's what our education system has produced. A lot of them are college students, but there's also quite a few adults, but they both support the left. And they both support the Muslims that have committed these atrocities. And you need to go, if you can stomach it, folks, if you've got the courage to, and read about what these hostages have gone through and think about if that was your wife or daughter, little girl, sister, cousin, aunt or uncle or mother and really try and put yourself in their shoes and you need to see if you can't draw some connections there folks because they're there I guarantee you it's just a matter of whether we have the courage as a nation 
to draw the connections. And then really, if we have the courage as a nation to start to take some action on it. It's, uh, it's not pretty, folks, but we've turned a blind eye to a lot of things as a nation for far too long. A lot of truth. There's a lot of people out there that don't want us paying attention to truth. And that's not new, folks. That's not new. It's just we've gone along with it for so long now. So, at any rate, we're going to get back into FDR. And I'm going to just pick up where we left off. We've just got a little bit left to go through. This is from his 1939 Radio Christmas greeting to the nation. In these days of strife and sadness in many other lands, let us and the nations which still live at peace forbear to give thanks only for our good fortune and our peace. Let us rather pray that we may be given strength to live for others, to live more closely to the words of the Sermon on the Mount, and to pray that peoples and the nations which are at war may also read, learn, and inwardly digest these deathless words. May their import reach into the hearts of all men and of all nations. I offer them as my Christmas message. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It always strikes me every year we do this, how much more blatantly with each passing year that we got closer to World War II, the relationship between our nation, our leaders, them turning to Jesus Christ How much more apparent that became you know they they turn so much more you lose you lose the ability to ignore that relationship with God during war or or any event but that's primarily the cause 
Kind of interesting, folks. Here we are again on the doorstep. We're going to start, at least start, FDR's 1940 Christmas greeting to the nation. December 24th again, 1940. At this Christmas tide of 1940, it is well for all humanity to remind itself that while this is, in its name, a Christian celebration, it is participated in reverently and happily by hundreds of millions of people who are members of other religions or belong actively to no church at all. Again, folks, it's impossible to... You, you, you do kind of see when you read a lot of these historical documents and you get closer to the Supreme Court's decision in 1947, even with a war going on, you see this little bit, little snippets here and there, trend of people starting to try and separate God and Jesus Christ uh, completely out of the nation. And one of the ways that they do that is to try and pretend that all faiths are equal, that all religions are equal, that God can be whoever you want him to be for whatever religion you are, as opposed to there only being one God, who is the Father of Jesus Christ the Son. The reason is not far to seek. It is because the spirit of unselfish servants, personified by the life and the teachings of Christ, makes appeal to the inner conscience and hope of every man and every woman in every part of the earth. It transcends in the ultimate all lines of race, of habit, of nation. It lives in the midst of war, of slavery, of conquest. It survives prohibitions, decrees, and force. It is an unquenchable spring of promise to humanity. Sometimes we who have lived through the strifes and the hates of a quarter of a century wonder if this old world of ours has abandoned the ideals of brotherhood of man. Sometimes we ask if contention and anger in our own midst in America are a portent of disunion and disaster. Sometimes we fear that the selfishness of the individual is more and more controlling in our lives. When we are in those moods, it is hard for us to keep from putting our tongues in our cheeks when we say Merry Christmas. For we think in thoughts of futility and not of hope. A few people are cynics all of the time. Some people are cynics part of the time. But most people keep their faith most of the time. That is why we must keep on striving for a better, a more happy world. It is unintelligent to be defeatist. Crisis may beget crisis, but the progress underneath does not wholly halt. It does go forward. Folks, a couple comments just that jump out here. You know, Churchill was great at not being defeatist. And FDR is right here. The idea of packing up and just going home. Right, you pack up your toys and go home. That's a child, like that's an immature sentiment. That's where 
the devil wants us to go. That's where we want to go so often. We just want to throw our hands up and abandon our faith. And and we can't. And the other thing here is, is progress, right? Progress. C.S. Lewis, progress. We can only have progress if we're going in the right direction. And as a nation today, we're going in the wrong direction. The only way you can have progress is to move toward God and the teachings of Christ. You know, FDR in, in the previous year's Christmas message quoted the Sermon on the Mount. And here again, at Christmas time, he's talking about how important Christ is, even to those who choose not to follow Christ. Why is that? Why would you have millions of people? Because it doesn't work the other way around. You don't see people who aren't Muslim celebrating Islamic holidays. You don't see people who aren't uh, Hindu, right? Or who aren't followers of Buddha. You don't see them celebrating those holidays. So why do you have so many people that celebrate the birth of Christ, even if they themselves claim not to follow him? Could it be maybe, just maybe, because he really is the only Son of God? And of course, if that's true, then why would we want our foundation as a nation built on anything other than his teachings? Which is, by the way, exactly what our founders thought. And we'll get back into all that again next year when we get past these Christmas messages. In a century, we have gained much. Aside from great areas stricken by actual warfare in the present moment, the lives of human beings are safer than they were in the olden days. Great and spreading plagues take smaller toll. Starvation of millions is less. The forces of nature are better controlled. There is, in the civilization, we recognize a greater security for the young, for the worker, for the aged. Charity, in the narrower sense of the word, helps the needy more usefully. We'll come back to it tomorrow, folks. A uh, couple little comments here or the next podcast. Where do you see, he talks about, FDR talks about the starvation of millions, right? And I can't help but say the forces of nature are better controlled. We don't control nature, folks. We've learned how to survive it better, how to deal with it better, not how to control it better. But where do you see a reverse in the starvation of millions? Where do you see the young and the worker and the aged taken more advantage of? Where do you see the lives of human beings worth less and less safe? You see it in a couple places today and for the majority of the 20th century. You see it in China. You see it in Iran. You see it in socialist communist nations everywhere. 
you see it in Muslim state nations, again, like Iran. Afghanistan, you can make the argument, sadly, again today, that it's not far off where it was before all of this started 20 years ago. So, again, what it, what it highlights is the only way to really help the widow and the orphan, the young and the needy, the poor, the elderly, to bring peace is to follow the Prince of Peace, to follow the principles of Jesus Christ individually and as a nation. God bless y'all, your families, your marriages. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.